Well, you know, this series that I am about to start today is going to challenge and change because it's going to correct aspects of your life. Now, listen to me. There's a lot of us have wrong beliefs. And sadly, a lot of it comes because of the pulpit in America. Now, by God's grace, I would pray it's not this pulpit. But the reality is a lot of us don't know how to overcome because we got nobody teaching us. The Bible says, say that with me, the Bible says we have need of no one to teach us. For God has written His Word on our heart. And so what do I have to do? Look up, stand up, and watch Him lift. This is what God tells us. God wants His children victorious. And do you know what I learned? There's a way to fight, and there's a way to win. And all of us fight to one degree or another, but not all of us win. And that's what these next four weeks are going to do. These next four weeks are going to help us to know how to win, because God wants us to win. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Master. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. Come on. This is how I fight my battles. Come on, just close your eyes. This is how I fight my Close your eyes and think about it. This is how I fight. I fight from my place of victory. This is how I fight. I fight because I'm already victorious. This is how I fight. I fight because I'm already an overcomer. This is how I fight. Well, Pastor, why are you preaching on overcoming? This is how I fight. Because most of us don't understand that's how we're supposed to fight. This is how I fight. We're supposed to fight from the attitude of victory. This is how I fight. From the perspective of overcoming. From the confidence and certainty and security. The victory is ours because the battle is, was, and always shall be his. Can somebody say amen? Come on, give him a hand clap of praise, would you, all over this building. Thank you, worship team. We're going to jump right into this this morning. Uh, As the worship team is being seated, I want you to look in your notes. These next four weeks, actually the next eight weeks, how to overcome these next four weeks, and then the four weeks after that is after you overcome, what to expect for an overcomer. So it is going to be, I'm going to be talking about expectations 
and what God wants to do in your life. And He will do as you learn how to overcome. How many think that might be an exciting time? You have heard me talk about this for many, many years because it's in the Bible. God likens our life as a race. Paul the Apostle uses this analogy many, many times. God likens our life as a farmer in a field. God's Word uses this analogy many, many times. God in His Word likens our life like an athlete. The Scriptures use this analogy time and time again. This morning, I want to touch into all of those analogies, and I want to touch over the next four weeks. But today, I I want you to jump right into your notes, because I want us to understand that if we will run properly, now that's the title of your sermon notes, I want you to circle that word, properly, because can I tell you, many Christians aren't living their life properly. Now, I'm not talking about sin. I'm not talking about uh, uh, in some kind of hidden darkness. But I'm talking about one of the main reasons we don't live victoriously is because we don't live properly. I'm going to say, I just started and you ha- you're getting quiet on me. Because you're so attentive, you're on the edge of your seat. That's what I know. Life is like a race. And I, as a young man in, in school, uh, I loved basketball and I loved track. I don't know that I was very good at either, but I enjoyed them. And so I would run and I would get in these things. And, and, and like I said, I, I would run up and down the court. When, when they used to call sprints on the basketball court, all the rest of the people moaned and groaned. I loved it. I, just, I thought it was kind of cool sprinting around that court. Now, they put a ball in my hand. I probably couldn't hit the basket to save my life, but I had fun doing it. But you know what I, had, what I, I learned even all those years ago? This was before Christ. This was before, church, before anything. I was going to church, but uh, it was before an understanding is I had to learn something about those coaches. I had to learn how to trust them. I had to learn that even though they had me sprinting, even though they had me running, even though they had me doing all kinds of different stuff, they were doing it for my betterment, for my good to do what? To get me from the losing side to the winning side. And you know what? That is what this book does. That's why when you start getting into this book and reading, you say, well, Pastor, you mean I'm supposed to read? That's how you learn how to win. You start getting into this book, and you start reading this book, understanding it, then you're able to get to the place of trusting the God of this book. Am I making sense? And then you get into three common realities for anyone who's going to run properly. And those three things are not in your notes, so you need to write them on your paper is proper running means you run with intentionality. You, you, you got a reason that you're doing this. The second thing is you're running with a focus. 
you got an objective to doing this. And the third thing is you run the way you were trained to run. That part sounds like it's going to cost me something. Carm, shout out amen, would you? Okay, there you go. That wasn't quite a shout, but that was good enough. It's like a race, but we have to learn to trust the coach. And the coach wrote a manual from Genesis to Revelation. And the coach said, if you will follow properly. Now, let me go further in your notes. When we learn trust, it's essential in this trust that we realize this is the only way we're going to overcome the obstacles we will face. And then I have this in your notes. I think I left this in your notes. Where did I put your notes? There they are. Now, you say, Pastor, don't you know what you put in the notes? I have to take all of my notes and dissect them down to fit in your notes. So sometimes I'll have things in mind that you won't have in yours. But I, I left this in here, and I want you to underline this purposely and circle around it. Living, you see that on your notes? Right there, the very first paragraph. Living is about Living is about, and gaining is about, how does that work? You mean I got to lose to gain? I'm glad you asked. Hebrews chapter 12 in your notes. Let us lay aside. Circle those two words, lay aside, and write losing above that. You have to lose this stuff. Every weight and the sin. So I want you to separate those two and circle every weight and write losing on there. The sin and write losing on there. You see, ladies and gentlemen, you got to lose some things if you're going to win anything. How many were ever told you got to lose some pounds if you're going to hit this race? Oh. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin. The sin. Does that give a picture of specificity? That so easily ensnares us. And let us run. Now on the screen it will say the word endurance. I, I wanted to put a different translation, but I used the New King James. But I want you to take that word endurance and I want you to circle it. Because I'm going to give you a Christian cuss word. Write patience. Come on, Evan. Shout it out. Patience. See, that's, we don't. How many know we live in a fast-paced society? We want everything now. Well, bless God, if I want victory, I want it now. Well, it may cost your whole life to do that. Let us run the race with patience, what's set before us. 
And then he gives us keys right in this passage, looking unto Jesus. Say that with me. Looking unto Jesus. Say it again. Looking unto Jesus. Say it like you mean it. Looking unto Jesus. Who is he? Author and finisher. He's at the starting pole and he's at the finish line. Author and finisher of what? Circle that word faith. Because this is where the whole problem begins. Most Christians don't have a clue what faith really is. Look at somebody and say, I think I'm going to learn something important today. Most Christians don't understand what faith is really all about. So let's go on here. For who the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has set down. There's importance to that phrase, set down, at the right hand of the throne of God. Okay? Understand, sitting down, the only time a high priest ever sat down was when his duties were finished. And you know where he sat? At the right hand of God, which represents the power of God. Okay? So here's the picture. I want you to grab this. Jesus sat down. After he said those three words in, in, uh, uh, at the cross, it is finished. The Greek word is tetelase. When he said those words, it is finished, you know what the Bible says? He sat down. You're not getting this. What is finished? Your victory. What is finished? Your ability to overcome. What is finished? The dominion you have over death, hell, and the grave. And I can picture the Lord. Dad, I'm home. I don't know if the camera can follow me, but if not, I'll be over here, folks, when I get back. He walked over to his throne, which was still there waiting for him. And he sat down. And he said, it's finished. The earth was still quaking. The earth was still trembling. You know why? Because God was telling the devil, it is finished. You don't have power over these kids anymore. You don't have authority over them. You say, well, pastor, then why is it that I go through what I go through? It's because you don't understand. It is finished. You see, walking this life properly is critical to overcome. And if you walk from a defeatist perspective, how do you think you'll ever overcome? I was like, remember, remember I came up here and, and y'all was, they was, this is how I fight my battle. And half y'all was sitting down. You can't fight your battle. Come on, devil, I'm fighting. No, you're standing up. You know why? You're fighting from a place of victory. Devil, it is finished. I love the book of Isaiah that says that day God's going to open our eyes. We're going to look upon the one that brought fear upon the nations, and we're going to say, you're the one that caused the nations to tremble? Isn't this good? And I just started. So look what it says. Look unto Jesus, author, finisher, and then it says these words, consider him. 
We, we look it up. We're looking at ourselves in the mirror. We're considering, well, Pastor, I'm not Jesus. Y- yeah, you think so? But who lives in you? Can I tell you something? When you look at life from that perspective, you know what the devil sees when he sees you? He sees that he better hightail it and run because he's going to be beat up on. Some of y'all are going to get this when, when, maybe when you leave here today. Consider him who endured such hostility of sinners. Now, I want you to circle that phrase, hostility of sinners, and then write the word me. Because every time that you and I don't walk in that victory, what are we doing again? Lord, what you did maybe isn't finished. The enemy starts raising up and saying, yeah, Jesus, yeah, you did all that, but he and she don't get it. You say, well, Pastor, how, how, do, I, how do I know that? Because of the way the passage ends. Lest you become weary and discouraged. See, there's a proper way. Now, I'm going to go down through this very quickly. I'm, I'm going to take my time, but I'm going to do a quick time as I can. Okay? Our love of this world hinders our overcoming. That's why the devil works overtime to get you to love the world. He plays for your loyalties. He plays, and he does it by making you love that latest, greatest football team, by making you love that latest, greatest car or truck. Uh, we, were, we were coming home, uh, uh, Jack and, and I, we went to the Christian Motorcycle Association uh, leadership meeting yesterday. Uh, CMA is a great uh, uh, missions ministry that we support and I happened to be the chaplain, and so we went down there, and on the way back, there was a conversation going on. What was your favorite car? And I was sitting up in the front seat next to uh, uh, our vice president, and uh, I heard the conversation going on, and they were talking about this car and that car, and I, I whispered over to Steve, who was the vice president, and I say, my favorite car has always been a truck. I'm just kind of one of those truck kind of guys. Don't look at me like that. You guys are truck guys, too. Any truck guys in here? Okay. <laughs> but the devil will use that nice, fancy new truck to get your loyalty. Paul urges, and it's on the screen, in the, to the Hebrews, he says, lay aside every weight and the sin. It's on the screen. It's on the screen. There it is. Lay aside every weight and say these two words with me. The sin that so easily ensnares. You didn't know the sin could be dodge. The sin could be Ford. The sin could be Toyota or Chevy. The sin. What do I mean by that? Look what it says. That easily ensnares you. Used to be back in the day, we, didn't, we didn't, didn't have a problem with getting one of those custom stripe jobs on our trucks. You say, well, Pastor, how'd you get a custom stripe job? You went tooling out through the brush. 
and all of a sudden those brush were striping down the side of your truck. Nowadays, you want to make sure I don't get any damage on that truck. I got to make sure it polishes up nice and shiny. Or the car. <laughs> you had to throw the Harley in there, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> and look what it says here. So easily ensnares us and patiently run. Now I want to give a little twist on that word patience. Do you know you can't be patient unless you're serious about what you're doing? Because only when you're serious do you realize this is going to cost me something, so I may patiently have to wait. I may patiently have to endure. I may patiently have to... You know, there's an old adage that good things come to those that wait. That's not scriptural, but it's valid because it's talking about patience. Now, let me take you over to, to 1 John 2. It talks about the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And look what the Word of God says. Don't love the world, nor the things it offers you. For when you choose to love the world, we don't like this part. Remember I talked about if you want to win, you got to run it properly. you got to get through life properly. He said, if you love the world, what, well, Pastor, what's the world? It could be a dodge. It could be a wife. It could be kids, grandkids. It could be a job. You See, you can fill that in. You know what the world literally is? It's anything that lures your desire and draws your attention stronger than God's love and God's attention for your life. How many fishermen we have in here, fisherwomen? Y'all like to fish? Did you, ever, did you ever notice there's only one kind of fish that flows, that swims with the current? Dead ones. You see, if we're looking for a smooth slide, we have to ride the current. So where do you want to put the tombstone? Because the dead ones go with the flow. But you know the fish you want to catch? They're always swimming against the current. You know why? They know the food's coming to them. They know how to fight their battles. They know how to fight their battles. Man, this is good preaching. I'm glad I came today. You see, in the Scripture encourages us to be like Jesus. But many don't. Do you know why? Their desire for the world is stronger than their desire for God. And don't, don't say, Pastor, you're, you're, you're beating up on me. I'm stating a fact, folks. It's the same thing that I have to deal with. Now, this is not in your notes, so I want you to write this down. If you have your Bibles, which you should have every time you come to church, over in John, look what it says here in John chapter 15. Look what, look what it says. It's not in your notes, but you need to write it down. John chapter 15 and verse 19. Look what it says here. 
if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. However, because you are not of the world, I have chosen you out of the world. Look at somebody and said, he's describing a Christian, isn't he? He said, because of that, the world hates you. So what the Word of God is asking us, why are we trying to love something that hates us? That's when he says there in 2.15 of 1 John, don't love the world or the things in the world because you can't have the love of the Father and the love of the world. There is a decision that you and I will face. If we're going to run this walk this life properly, if we're going to be able to overcome, we have to do it properly. We're going to have to make a decision every single day of our life. And that is that we have to be intentional in our walk in Christ. We have to be intentional in our walk for Christ. I'm going to get to 1 Corinthians 9 in just a minute. Uh, and that, that's not in your notes either. Okay, but I got, folks, I got a lot of different scripture for you because we have to look at what the Word of God says about certain things. If we're going to run uh, this life, if we're going to get through this life intentionally, which is what 1 Corinthians 9, we have to run as if we're going to receive what God has given us, those fish that swim against the current, they know the good stuff is coming to them, which is why they will go against the flow instead of with the flow, then we have to decide willingly who or what we are going to follow. We have to be, <coughs> we have to be intentional. Once again, it's not in your notes, but Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. Write this down in your, in your pages, folks. I want you to look these up, okay? The Bible says we must pay closer attention to the things we have heard. What have we heard? How do we get faith? The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the, not some fancy preacher, but God's Word. We got to be careful and pay more attention to what? The Word of God that we have heard. And look what it says here at the end of Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. Lest we drift away from it. Folks, there's a lot of Christians. They don't spend time in their Word, in their Bible. And they wonder why they're struggling. Because they forgot the perfect law of liberty, which is the mirror of our souls. And we do, how am I supposed to handle this? It's in the manual. You see, I have a Dodge manual. It was a Ram manual. I have a Cadillac manual. But I also have a Christian manual. B-I-B-L-E. Basic instructions before leaving earth. A am I making sense this morning so far? The problem we have and the reason we have such a difficult time overcoming is we have wrong beliefs. I was... Uh, uh, with Will, and we were, we were uh, 
I'm picking up a car yesterday, and I, I came across this young man at the car rental counter. And I had to tell him about Jesus. You know, it's just kind of, and I'm telling him about Jesus, and he's, and he's listening, and he's intent. Am I speaking correctly, Wilford, or William? And we were having a good old time just witnessing. And just like the devil, all of a sudden, people that been around for the whole time doing nothing come up and inter interrupt my witnessing. And so because he had to take care of business, I had to say, we will continue to pray for you. <coughs> so William has his phone number, and I have his phone number. And you know, more importantly, God has his phone number. Excuse me. We got wrong beliefs. We think that sometime, somehow by osmosis, that all this is going to jump into me. That somehow by going to church, that everything's going to just get better. By praying a prayer, that everything's just going to turn around. We got wrong beliefs. There has to be intentionality in our lives. Number, Romans chapter 6, verse 16, look what it says on the screen. Romans 6.16, it's on the screen. Uh, Romans 6.16, it's on, there it is right there. Look what it says there. Will you read this out loud with me, please? Do you not, come on, y'all, everybody. Do you not know that whom you present yourselves slaves to obey? Stop there real quick. <coughs> Who's he talking to? You think it might be the person sitting in your chair? Don't worry, it's the person standing in my shoes, too. Okay? Do you, look at somebody and say he's talking about me, not know that whom you, look at somebody and say he's still talking about me, present yourselves, look at somebody and say he's still talking about me, slaves. What'd you sing this morning about slaves? Oh, I'm no longer a slave. But isn't that saying that I'm presenting myself as a slave? Because I'm not presenting myself to the victor, to the victorious one? Slaves to obey? What's the next word? Look at somebody and said, he's still talking about me, isn't he? What's it say? You are that one's slave. See, I can be a slave of a victorious life, or I can be the slave of a defeated life. If I'm going to run properly, I can be victorious. But if I'm not, then I'm going to be defeated. And then one, it just tells us what happens by the choice you, look at somebody and say, is he going to stop talking about me anytime soon? Whether of sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. You mean I have to lose something to gain something? Number two, quickly. 
the love of life. Now, I'm going from the love of the world, which is so very broad, to the love of life over the love of God, for God. Hinders us. Now, folks, I love life <laughs> just as much as everybody or more than many people. But can I tell you something? I'm looking forward to dying. Now, that's not morbid. I'm not trying to be, you know, oh, pastor, no, no, we don't want you. Well, it's like, Paul, for your sake, it's better that I stay. And for my honey's sake, it's better that I stay. But for my sake, I'm out of here. See, Paul said it this way, to live is Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, I have one reason to live, and that is that Christ can be seen in me. And you know how he's going to be seen in me? Sometimes I can't just show up. I got to speak up. I got to speak up. I, I, was, I was talking to some folks yesterday, and, and, and you know, it's, 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 it's a different perspective. Well, you know, I'm not called to evangelize. Okay, do me a favor. Where's your Bible? You got, anybody got a Bible? Here, I use Will's Bible. It's on a, it's on a uh, phone. Okay, so here, that's, there's your Bible. Don't worry, I threw it to where it wouldn't break. But let me have, let me have it. Let me have it. I'm trying to make a point. You see, I didn't want to throw a real Bible because some of y'all might come attack me if I threw your Bible someplace. But the reality, <laughs> you might attack me if I throw your cell phone. Is anybody not quite as committed to their phone as Will is? Anybody else? Okay, good. Let me throw your phone then. Okay. There. Thank you. This is my Bible. Yeah. If I, I'm not committed to Christ. Okay, there you go. Just throw it away. If I, if I am not going to do it properly, then what the heck are you doing here? Okay, I can throw my phone. I'm getting everybody nervous on these phones. <laughs> what, why, why are we here? If we're not interested in losing to gain, to lose the world. You see, my love for life. Paul said for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So just real quick, ladies and gentlemen, there's a couple things that we have to notice here. Number one, and it's on the screen, is preparation. We have to daily commit our lives to Christ. I was talking to that group yesterday, and they well, evangelism. I'm not called to be evangelist. I am called just to just to. Uh, what, I don't remember what the heck it was. I was kind of dumbfounded. I'm thinking, okay, if you're not called to evangelize, then throw that book away, because the reality the Bible says your first job is to reconcile the ministry, the world back to Christ. That's our job. Every one of us. Oh, Pastor, that's your job. Okay, then, then that means you're not a Christian. Because a Christian's first job, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. And he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Look at somebody and said, he's still talking about me, isn't he? We have to have a life of preparation. We have to do this properly. 
And so we have to prepare for life. If you're not prepared for life, life will overcome you. Now, the Scripture says the weight. What am I talking about? The worries, the possessions, the ambitions, the desires, the goals. Another word for weight is a snare. Have you ever been, uh, you ever been varmint hunting where you set out snares for an animal? Now, tell me you all know what a varmint is. Okay. Talk to somebody else. Okay. Uh, you, you ha- you, you, the Bible says that weight is a snare. You know what it's designed to do? To hinder your walk with God. And the Bible says that we have to understand. We've got to lay that thing aside. Whatever is stopping me from growing in Christ... Look what it says, Matthew 11, 28 and 30. Look what it says here. Come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. And what's he say? I will give you rest. You know how do you get rest? You come to him. You're struggling. You've got difficulties. You know how you get rest? You come to him. You look unto him. You consider him. Look what he says. He said, because my yoke is easy. You notice he says you're going to have a yoke. But it's easy. My burden is light. He says you're going to have a burden. Folks, there is no place in the Word of God that says you're going to go with the flow. You're going to be going against the stream unless you want to be a dead fish. So it's not just the weight, it's the sin. What is the sin? Listen to me. The sin. You know what it is? It's that thing at the drop of a hat distracts you. Oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is. It may be somebody's attitude, and you're immediately flared up. It may be going to work, and you're immediately flared up. It may See, the sin is that little incidental thing that competes against you, keeping you incapable of being victorious. Because the minute it shows up, you're done. Look at somebody and say, is he going to stop talking about me anytime? Not at all. Do you know why? We don't understand how to properly do this. The second thing he says besides perfection, or, uh, 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 preparation is perfection. It's our commitment to the life we are living for God. The commitment to the life we are living for God. Now, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something here. Everybody says, or I've had people ask me many, many times over the years, Pastor, what's the proper order of things? I know it's God first, but what comes second? How many can answer what comes second? family, your wife, your children, your spouse, you know, family, okay? I'm not going to take time to define family for you, but it is a little different than you think. What comes third? A lot of people, and I'm hearing some of you, is it my job? Nope. What's third? Ministry. Why are you on this life, on this earth, to work a job or to live for God? See, anything that comes before that 
it's going to take all your attention. That's called a weight. That's called a sin. My job to this woman right here, who is my wife, who is my family, my job is to minister to her before I ever go to work. That's my job. And because we got that messed up, a lot of times our homes aren't happy. Oh, bless God, woman. If I wasn't working, you'd not be eating. She'd probably like it. Because she would rather have her husband next to her than a, ta- a dish on the table. Oh, I'm getting that gift of irritation that I have just kind of raising up in me a little bit. Think about it. Think about it, folks. Lay aside every way. You see, God says we got to do this thing properly if we're going to overcome. Okay? Uh, don't get nervous, Chris. I'm, I'm dropping down here. There's two things that we've seen so far. Number one is patience, and number two is perseverance. We have to patiently encounter the difficulties. Don't get surprised when things happen. Okay, God, I don't know why this happened, but I know it happened. Okay, God, get me through it. You say, well, Pastor, I'm patient. Why do I have to persevere? The second part, God, get me through it. It may not get through today. It may not get through tomorrow. And the enemy will try to do everything to distract you along that way. You see, faith and patience are the conquering graces of life. Faith and patience are the conquering graces of life. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Turn, the, turn there with me in your Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Look what it says here. Let's start with verse 24. Do you know that the runners in a, in a, in a stadium race Everyone runs, but only one receives the prize. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through 27. Everyone runs, but only one receives the prize. And look what it says here. So why don't you run like you believe you're going to win the prize? Run, it says here, in such a way that you will receive the prize. I'm reading out of the Holman translation of the Bible, okay? But look what it's telling us here. He says, run in such a way. Let me change the such a way. Run properly that you might win the prize. And look what it says here in verse 25. Everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. Why? Because we're looking for that prize that doesn't fade away. Am I making sense today? Faith and patience are the conquering graces. And let me close. The worship team's going to come. Look what it says here. Love for our God over the love for our life is what enables us to overcome. And that is something you have to train yourself to do. 
Remember I talked about intentionality and focus and training? The only way you will ever put the love for God over your love for life is you've got to make yourself do it because the enemy is always going to bring opportunity out for you to stumble away. Our strength and our victory come from, as we looked in our passage, looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. It comes from the disciplined commitment that, God, you have started this life I'm living. You're going to finish this life that I'm living. I want to take you there into Hebrews 12. As you're looking at that passage that we began with at the very beginning, look what it says there. He endured the cross, despising the shame. Let me turn this into modern-day language. The cross is not the cross that Jesus faced. It's the struggle that you face. Carol has a struggle. It's a pretty bad struggle. But she's looking at it, and she's saying, Lord, compared to you, this struggle is nothing. Compared to what you went through, the struggle is nothing. Compared to what you faced, the struggle is nothing. You see, the, if you're going to do this thing properly, you've got to look at life that way. But you don't understand what I'm going through. Nothing compared to what he went through. That's why Paul could so audaciously write these light afflictions. These little things. You see, that's what Jesus is saying. He endured the cross, and that word despised is not a word that we use very well, but that word despised means to act as if it has no value at all. You ever had anybody look at, look at you with a despising look? Yeah. Yeah, you're not. You're not. That's how Jesus looked at the cross. Okay, Dad. I'd like to win a different way, but that's why I'm going, so okay. Let's move. Let's go. What am I saying? If we're going to overcome, we've got to properly face this life. And we face this life knowing that we are already victorious. He already defeated the enemy. He already gave us the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He already did the job. He looked at the cross and said, well, if that's what I have to face to get to Jesus, let's do it. Let's move on. He didn't consider it worth even thinking about it. You know why? He looked at you. He looked at you. And he said, Dad, they're worth it. They're worth it. So why can't you and I look at the struggle and say, Jesus, you're worth it? Am I making any sense at all? You see, ladies and gentlemen, it's from him, in him, and for him that we have been declared overcomers. He gives us a very simple breakdown in that passage in Hebrews 12. We want to properly live this life, run through this life, 
If we want to do it properly, we have to do three things, and it's on the screen. We have to look unto Him. He is always the example of our encouragement. We have to consider Him. When we look at our situation, we consider where has Jesus been for us before. And then the third thing is we have to trust Him. He is the advantage of knowing I've already overcome. I've already overcome. Yeah, I might have to lose a little bit of this, this uh, convenience. I might have to lose a little bit of this security. I might have to lose a little bit, fill in the blank. But I've already gained victory. Because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. The greatest verse that I find, for 2 Timothy chapter 4, and it's on the screen. This is Paul's writing to Timothy right before he's about to be executed. He said, I fought long and hard for my Lord. You know, if I have a passage like that, and I think that Paul said, I'm going to go through what he's gone through. If he said, I fought long and hard for my Lord, you know what that makes me think? I'm going to fight long and hard for my Lord. And then he goes on to say, but through it all, I stayed true. I kept my focus. And now the time has come for me to stop fighting and rest. In heaven, I have a crown waiting for me, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the great day of his return. And not to me only, but to all who are eagerly looking for his return. You see, that's the proper way to overcome in life. What have you really dealt with? What have you really lost that he hasn't given you more? Does any of this make sense? It all makes sense to me, folks. That's why I always ask you, does it make sense? Because it all makes sense to me. I've given up lots of stuff. But in comparison to what he gave up, have I really given up anything? And when I look at it that way, you know what? I'm victorious in everything. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 630. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harden. From Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.